Welcome to episode 93 of the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in Brittany's apartment in Pigeontown, New Orleans. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swamp Flicks. Yes. And that beautiful, sweet, new metal riffage you're hearing in your ears is because this is a Halloween episode <laughs> of the show, and we are doing new metal vampires. The only vampires I like. I guess we need to like define what that even is. Like We're doing... Vampire movies from the era of horror films when new metal was like all over the soundtrack. Right, like new metal's at its peak. So if you combine like something very stylish and spooky and goth with new metal, is just this beautiful thing that I can't like even find words to describe. I was a new metal shithead in the early two thousands. Yeah, like I was the exact right age when like Corn and Limp Bizkit and all those bands came out. And I guess a lot of other bands that weren't exactly new metal got lumped in there. Like, I don't know, Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails and A Perfect Circle and all these other bands were like, right. not exactly new metal. Like, but, eh, but they just got anything electronic or like heavy was just thrown into new metal. It's like metal that's like melodic. It's almost like pop music. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of money at the time. Right. And I mean, it still is. Yeah. Right? You still listen to this stuff, right? I do yeah. at least like once a day. <laughs> <laughs> I have like my new metal Spotify list that I listen to on my way to work or on my way home from work. I always pick like however I'm feeling. So it's either my I Survived Y2K playlist, which is just all like Hillary Duff and like black and all kinds of crazy stuff or my new metal one. So let me ask you a question. (laughs) Yes. The next time you go see Korn in concert, Mm -hmm. um, can you alert me so that can come with you? Oh my god, yes. Okay, so maybe we can make like a Swamp Flicks thing out of this, like go see Corn live, and uh-huh. then we can watch like, I can't think of the name of it. Is it the Paradigm Shift where they basically made crop circles and they performed a concert within the crop circles in the middle of a cornfield and That's it's like amazing. filmed? We can just watch like live. I could do like a concert corn movies uh, movie right? episode. I don't know if I could do all three corn movies. <laughs> <laughs> also, because we're burning one of the very important corn films Probably later in this episode. At least the most important for me, for sure. Well, they were my first three concerts, so I was definitely like, oh my God. that was my favorite band <laughs> at a certain age. And um, Did you have a, an Issues doll? That was the last one I saw, and uh, Stained was the opener. Oh, gross. <laughs> okay, I don't like Stained. That was when Mud Shovel was out, but before oh. they got like all sappy. Uh, I was very into them. Awesome. But yeah, when I was pulling clips for this episode, I pulled like new metal songs instead of you know our normal like local jazz sound. And I was like, this is pleasantly fun to go back to because it's been a very long time. But it's so good. Like, it's you can rage to it and you can also, like, meditate to it. <laughs> it's just such a pleasant, like, new metal is so great. Like, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And I think people are so embarrassed to say that they like it. Right? I think my embarrassment is it just twofold. the style? Well, yeah, I think at the time I was so into it. And then when I started... You know, listening to like other like thrash metal or black metal or, um, you know, actual like punk music, like hardcore and right. stuff like that. Looking back, it was like, oh, man, I was such a mall goth like shithead. And I was just like a poser and an idiot and didn't really know what I was talking about. And like, oh, that stuff's silly now. But looking back at it at this point, it's like, oh, it was just pop music. It was, right. just, it was gloomy, like black nail polish pop music. And it was a good gateway drug. I started listening to better metal music afterwards. Exactly. I yeah. And I think like we have a lot to thank new metal for. I think a <laughs> lot of metal and just like alternative music today 
wouldn't really be what it is without the foundation of new metal. Well, if you listen to the radio right now, like modern hard rock radio has not changed at all in the last like 15, 20 years. So it is crazy. <laughs> so like alternative and like modern day hard rock is all like chanting where people are like clapping and going, Hey, Oh, in that the like imagine dragons kind of oh, shit. It is bizarre. That's horrible. I do not like it. <laughs> Ugh. We also have new metal to thank for um, a bunch of vampire movies. Apparently yes. <laughs> so we'll get into that a little bit later. Well, it is spooky movie season. Um, as you can tell by this topic, have you been watching spooky movies? I have. The most recent spooky movie that I've watched actually came out a couple of days ago. It was released on Hulu. Oh, I know this one. Little Monsters? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's Little Monsters. It came out earlier this year at a film festival, I think in like January. But yeah, it's on Hulu and I mistook it for little monsters like the fred savage movie from the 80s right and i was like oh cool it's on hulu and then i saw lapita yango yango and i'm like wait what's happening and so i said whatever i'm gonna watch it because like the cover is really cool where she is like in this beautiful like yellow sundress and there's a bunch of like zombie hands clawing at her legs so i thought wow this looks awesome let me go ahead and like give it a shot even though i'm like not a fan of zombie movies and it was good it's an Australian film and it revolves around the life of this kind of shithead has been musician who is really crass and everything that comes out of his mouth is like just terrible. And he falls into like a bad point in his life and his relationship is ruined with like his girlfriend that he was going to marry, yada, yada, yada. And he moves in with his sister cause he has nowhere to go. And he also lives with his nephew, which is this little boy. And he is just terrible, like curses in front of this kid, puts him in really like adult situations. And he brings the kid to school one day and he sees that the kindergarten teacher is Lapita Nyago. Lapita Nyago. I cannot pronounce her name, but I could spell <laughs> I'm it. I'm probably mispronouncing it. I could it. spell it. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's the kindergarten teacher miss caroline and he thinks that she is like smoking so he's like obsessed with her and then he volunteers to go on a field trip and chaperone just so he can like kind of get close to her and they go to this like petting zoo where there is a zombie outbreak um so there's like a military base that's close by and there's a zombie outbreak and the zombies go into this petting zoo and start infecting like everyone there so they're on a mission to like escape and also keep all these kindergarten kids safe and also josh gad is there josh josh gad is there yucking it up i do not like him no he's annoying he is so obnoxious and like he will never outgrow olaf and you were not a fan of olaf that's the only reason i've not watched frozen i mean i'm also not a big disney person in general frozen is very very good and i love it but he is like the worst part of it and he's the biggest douche in this movie. So maybe it's a good role for him because he's meant to be obnoxious. I've also heard a lot of people complain that Lupita Nyong'o is like featured so much in the advertising, uh-huh. but she's not the main character in the movie. Like it's this, you know, kind of Chris Hemsworth type. It's that douchey bro. guy. Yeah. yeah. But she's the only one that's actually good in this movie. Like she's really good. She sings with the ukulele, has some Taylor Swift songs going on. She's great. Um, so, so why if, not make her the lead? It's kind of weird. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, but if you're a fan of hers, totally watch the movie. Cause I think she gets enough time and enough. Like, I mean, she's still like one of the main characters for sure. And she's, she's fabulous. But it doesn't really follow a lot of the plot lines of a lot of zombie movies. It's a little different. 
and it doesn't focus completely on like the zombies which i like it's like they're there but it's not like all about zombies what don't you like about zombie movies they're just boring they can be yeah they're very boring there's a lot of them there's so many of them and i just don't get it like they're not appealing they're not terrifying they're just super lame there's some that are like over the top fun and like zany those are the ones i tend to like like this one's like this is more of like a wacky horror comedy so it works it could work for me serious stuff like walking dead or oh, i don't care about that i love like peter jackson's dead alive is like one of my favorite movies right because it's not really what you think a zombie would look like yeah. it's not like something going around going uh brains it's like gr- gross gooey shit which is awesome yeah yeah fucking hate all that zombie have you shit seen too. one cut of the dead on shutter i'm not it is one of the best movies of this year one cut of the dead yeah hmm I don't want to give away too much, but like the premise of it is that it's a single cut zombie movie. So it's just one take and it's like this cheap handheld camera zombie movie. And then partially through the film, the rules of what you're watching changes and it suddenly transforms from like a boring zombie movie, like kind of the way you're describing into this whole other thing. And it is so funny and so rewarding and so great. So, I don't know. If you like Little Monsters, I think you might like One Cut of the Dead, too. Okay, I'll try it. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I liked Little Monsters. Yeah. Um, it wasn't anywhere near close to being, like, one of the best movies to come yeah, yeah. out lately, but it's fun. It looks fun. Uh, on a lighter note, another film that I watched that I fucking loved with all my heart is Mr. America. Oh, yeah. It is phenomenal. It is so good. I love, love, love mockumentaries, and there aren't that many of them out there like when you think of mockumentaries you're like all right job dead gorgeous spinal tap best in show yeah mostly just christopher guest movies <laughs> right and he's not in here right um but like this whole movie is like hilarious to me and the idea of it because i truly thought that tim heidecker was running for da of san bernardino county last year because he was posting all these like campaign videos on his like instagram and his social media and it turns out, you know, I found out a few months ago that it was all part of a movie he was filming. Yeah, he does kind of like an Andy Kaufman thing where it's like hard to tell when he's kidding it's sometimes. So hard. Yeah. So and then when the movie trailer came out, I'm like, I don't even know if this movie is real or not. And then I saw like, oh, Magnolia Pictures. And I'm like, oh, that's legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is a real movie. Yeah. It's great. You would really, really, really enjoy it if you are familiar with like the on cinema universe. Which I've. I had a hard time catching up with. There's like 11 seasons of it now. And I stopped watching at it's some point. And- explosive. Like I, it started off as a podcast, right? Which was so funny. And then they got their own show, which was like on cinema at the cinema. And then from there, um, Tim Heidecker did the TV series Decker, which I am sort of more unfamiliar with. And I think in that one, he's spoofing Neil Breen movies. Which is the topic me and James are covering next episode is Neil Breen. Great. Well, maybe you should watch. Yeah, and watch more Decker episodes. More Decker. Also, the web series called The Trial. So all of these like little TV series come together in this movie. But essentially, it's a mockumentary where a film crew is following Tim Heidecker, where he is playing himself. Right. <laughs> Which is so hard to explain (laughs) to people who are, like, unfamiliar with him, right? So Tim Heidecker is playing himself running for the district attorney of San Bernardino County in California. And he has, like, no plan. No one knows who he is. (laughs) And his big, like, campaign sign is this huge sign that says, 
we've got rats. And he like asked all these like local businesses, like, please put this in your window. We've got rats. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. Right. <laughs> It's just a wild ride, but this film isn't very Tim and Eric-y, which he's best known for, like, the Tim and Eric awesome show, right? Which is, like, hyperactive editing and, like, green screen and right. glitchy repetition and... Just crazy. Anti-comedy. Right. Yeah. So it's not like that show at all, but he still, like, holds true to his style of humor where it's just, like, minor shit that just makes you, like, want to, like, puke you laugh so hard. So he plays this politician douche who, like, is an ex-member of a band called Decker who (laughs) sold a bunch of kids at an EDM festival, like, tainted vape juice and killed them. So he's also a murderer. (laughs) Very topical. He's trying to, like, make a comeback from being a vape juice murderer (laughs) to uh, becoming the DA. With, like, no experience or he doesn't even he has, like, maybe, like, 30 signatures so he's like nowhere close to getting even like on the ballot to run. Does he have a political ideology or platform besides just wanting to get rid of the DA that's persecuting him for these? The rats. I'm a set of rat trap. <laughs> that's get, it. That's his whole platform. Just is just to, to set get a rat rid of this trap. DA. And it's kind of funny because he embodies this Trump style where it's I'm just like an average Joe and I want to drain the swamp. Except for like in his case, like no one buys it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like half of our country. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty funny. And I thought that was smart, like for him just kind of showing because he is totally not a fan of Donald Trump. Like he makes a lot of great music that's like anti Trump. Oh, I am a cuck. I am a libtard. <laughs> yes, yes. Great song. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Just him like show like embodying that Trump spirit and failing. Because he did so, I think is awesome. Another individual in this film that is so fucking funny is Greg Turkington, who's also known as, like, Neil Hamburger. Um, So Greg Turkington is a huge part of this on-cinema universe, right? Well, (laughs) the camera crew just, like, basically is like, yeah, let's grab this guy, Greg. He's familiar with Tim. We'll just interview him for a little bit. And Greg is like, wow, like, they're talking to me. And they want dirt on Tim and I'm going to give it to him. (laughs) So he'll like just bring up these insane movie references. Like he's like, you know why I chose this park? And he'll just start naming movies that were like filmed in the park. Just like bullshit 80s and 90s VHS (laughs) oddities. I wish I can remember the movies he referenced because they were so (laughs) insane. It's like stuff you kind of half remember coming out, but no one's mentioned in like 30 years. And he's like so confident. And then he gets a call from someone. He's like, you guys are going to want to see this. And then they fought the camera crew follows him in his um, little like SUV. And then he gets out and he starts walking. And then there's a huge like box of VHS tapes by someone's trash and he's like look at this and he's like I don't have a copy of this and then he's like look breakfast at Tiffany's still sealed in the original packaging that's great and he's like collecting all these tapes and the funniest part is that he's trying to use the Disney film the shaggy DA as a metaphor for Tim's campaign (laughs) and he keeps like talking about the similarities like they're they're all gonna see i'm guessing this is where a dog plays the district attorney yes okay great the district attorney turns into a dog okay but no one knows so (laughs) (laughs) is that a sequel to the tim allen film 
a shaggy dog or whatever well actually the shaggy da is like an earlier disney film oh, from like the, the 70s. 60s 70s they made and so many bad live action comedies around that time oh, they're so good like that darn cat the cat from outer space flubber those kind of movies yeah. so it's um, one of those movies and he talks about it and talks about it and then tim's hosting this town hall that like three people show up to <laughs> and greg shows up and he starts like giving him shit and is like Remember when you burned down the video archive? Because that's like a big like on cinema joke. So like little things like that will come in. But like you really don't need to be like familiar with like on cinema and everything to like get it. Because honestly, like I am so behind with on cinema. Yeah, there's a lot of it. But you still get it. Like if you understand like that style of humor, you're totally fine. Uh, But yeah, I really liked it. It was stupid funny and it was brilliantly filmed and yeah, it's just a fucking awesome mockumentary. And I haven't seen a mockumentary that great in a very, very long time. It sounds like a fun thing to watch right now because Eddie Rasponi just made the <laughs> gubernatorial runoff somehow. Ooh. And he's. Hi, I'm Eddie Rasponi. <laughs> he's that exact kind of like no actual politics, just like Trump. Just trying to set a damn rat trap. Yeah, it's so <laughs> For no stupid. rat. Hey, fuck Eddie Rasponi. Yeah, by exactly. the way. Fuck him so fucking hard. Phony Rasponi. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking joke <laughs> so it was refreshing to watch a film like that in the midst of the eddie Rasponi fucking drama in yeah. louisiana so um but what have you been watching brandon i watched a movie i want you to see at some point because i think you would like it okay we've been watching a lot of killer children movie this month we uh, have we, we watched like uh <laughs> Who Can Kill a Child was our October movie of the month. And I've watched some other movies around that, like uh, Children of the Corn I revisited. And yes. Like Village of the Damned, kind of the classic. I feel like there's so many like killer kid movies I want to watch, but a lot of it's like there's been like an atomic bomb or something that poisons the kids to kill. And yeah. I just kind of like want some like demonic child stuff. I got a movie you know for I mean? you from 1981. It's called Bloody Birthday. Ooh. It's great. It is pretty much a halloween ripoff it's like a year after john carpenter's halloween or a couple years after john carpenter's halloween great and it's set in the same kind of like suburban neighborhoods like you watch these sort of babysitters walk around talking about like sex and partying and like the one final girl's like oh i don't know i think i'll just stay home and babysit and be good uh (laughs) and like her friend's dad's the sheriff and like it just feels so much like halloween except instead of michael myers being the killer there is a group of toe-headed Village of the Dam type children that are going around killing people. Oh my god. Uh, and they're dressed like these little Reaganites. Like, they're dressed like little adults, but they're, like, eight years old. The reason they're evil is never really explained. Okay. They were all born at the same time in this, like, small town under an eclipse when it was very windy outside. Why does all this shit always happen for, like, you were born from the eclipse and that's why you're an evil piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, what does that <laughs> what mean? What is that? And they kind of explain it for like a half second with like the final girl babysitter is really into astrology. And she like kind of explains like, you know, meteorological alignments and uh, it. Wh- who fucking cares? Right. Uh, <laughs> Just eclipse babies are evil. Right. That's all <laughs> you need to know. One. And they like act like little upstanding shits. And that's why it's hard to get other people to pay attention to the fact that they're like doing all these crimes. It's like, don't you see what they're doing? They're like lying right now. And it's like, what? That kid is perfectly well behaved and like a snappy dresser. I really like it. It's over the top, but actually genuinely creepy. One of the kids' weapons that he uses a lot is a handgun. (laughs) 
<laughs> usually in like a slasher film you want to see like a killer with like an axe or a knife or something that's like up close and brutal like a handgun in the hands of like a Michael Myers or like a Jason Voorhees would be kind of disappointing it's lame it's boring yeah, yeah. it's not fun but in the hands of a child like this like child oh operating God. this handgun is like actually really creepy I feel like a modern day version of this would be like MAGA kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. It's, yeah, it's that, it but for the Reagan like. era. Yeah. Oh, God. And then um, there's like this little peephole. They like spy oh, on like one of the I older sisters. Hate whenever sex. little kids peep on sexual activities. It's like super weird. It's gross, and it makes me think like, hey, you little fucking perv. <laughs> well, in this movie, they go for a step real. further and launch bows and arrows through the peephole once they start. <laughs> How big people. is the peephole? It's pretty large. <laughs> it's amazing. She doesn't see it. So I don't know. It's got these like over the top kind of inventive kills okay and it's just fun to see a first wave slasher film like one of those halloween so this is like early 80s 81 yeah okay oh that that sounds really cool i like horror movies from like early 80s where it's still like grainy and yeah a lot of that cheese ball yeah shit that i love yeah and like the sexuality in those movies is really weird too because everything's so grimy and like Mm -hmm. little kids should not be interested in watching sex and it's always like interesting in movies when they are one of my favorite things is the little girl in the group likes to scrapbook about their crimes which is the third <laughs> film I've seen this year. Where, Ma. Yeah, Ma was one. Except she's a grown woman. Psycho Granny from Lifetime. Yes. Uh, she scrapbooks her crimes. Her own in that family. One and in this one, it's a child doing it, which is even creepier because that's like an old lady activity. Right. I don't know. It sounds like they're children's bodies embodying like the behavior of someone in their like 50s. Yeah, they're like old souls. So weird. But their old souls have terrible politics. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just fun to see a slasher with like a different kind of villain. A child. It's like they like cut Jason Voorhees into thirds and like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It was fun. That sounds great. I will, I will totally watch that. I had a DVD I blind bought at a video store in like California when we went on vacation there recently and watching it, the sound was so bad. Like <laughs> I could not understand any of the dialogue and then it turns out it was on shutter and I ended up watching there instead. Was it better on shutter? The quality? Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Audible. I could hear the, <laughs> the dialogue. Speaking of physical media, I also got a Blu-ray from Criterion of Polyester, also from 1981. The cover of that Blu-ray is everything to me it's like a um, a romance novel like fabio style cover and it's so good and it's divine making out a tab hunter and you got your odorama card yes okay and that's mostly what i want to talk about okay because we've talked about polyester on the website like three or four times like yes i wrote a whole thing about how cuddles kavinsky is my favorite edith massey character so funny you are a real kushan and that <laughs> means pig <laughs> i love her um cuddles this positivity when like francine's like wasted and she's like trying to kill herself you're so cuddles. cute when you're tipsy <laughs> you're so cute when you're tipsy oh francine there must be a god everything is so beautiful <laughs> at first i thought he was walking a dog then i realized it was his date a real like joie de something. I can't. I forget which. It's like a fun French word <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, she's fabulous, yeah. and it's a really great just middle ground between like the sort of suburban comedies John Waters started making in the '90s with like Serial Mom and Hairspray and stuff right. like that, and then his earlier nastier stuff. It's still got that grime, right? Like anyone who wants to dive into like the John Waters universe, I'm like, all right, I don't want to throw pink flamingos at them immediately i always recommend polyester yeah it's like a middle ground if you can handle polyester then back on up to female trouble (laughs) and then just keep going desperate living is my favorite but that is definitely not the first watch uh film (laughs) i think desperate living i thought 
desperate living to be like more like filthy and grimy than pink flamingos it's upsetting it's just it it was it made me feel like dirtier it's so great though. yeah it's awesome yeah absolutely and this one does have a Halloween gag, too, which I forgot about. So it did kind of fit in the theme of the month. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Stiv Baders, who plays Bobo in the film. Um, Bobo! Shows up on Halloween dressed <laughs> as a mummy and uh, trick-or-treats when they don't have candy because they forgot it was Halloween. He, like, trashes their house. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, fits the theme of the month, kind of, even though it's not a horror film. But really, the star of this Criterion set is the Odorama card. Yes. I have only seen Polyester before on this, like, dvd copy i've had since the early 2000s obviously the colors are much sharper on this blu-ray which feeds into like this uh douglas sirk melodrama thing that uh john waters is kind of spoofing in this movie yeah but also this comes with a new odorama card which the dvd copy that card kind of has a smell to it but it doesn't it's not distinct my dvd copy of polyester it's a double it's um got desperate living and polyester on it and it came with the odorama card and i haven't used it yet because i like i want to wait for the perfect moment i don't want to overuse it the old ones didn't really have a smell to me well you know what maybe i'll do it now that i know that is being released on blu-ray because i want the blu-ray copy yeah definitely so i can have that fresh odorama card too Okay, so what is Odorama? It's sort of like an interactive way of watching polyester. There's a lot of scratch and sniff moments where you're watching the movie and like um, someone will fart. And then on the screen, it'll be like two blinking and you scratch two to smell the fart. Yeah, it's like smell-o-vision. And they're not all gross. Like some of it's like air freshener. And he's making fun of like William Castle style gimmicks. Where right. Like, like the Tangler. And yeah. Or like barf bags and right. that kind of thing. The new Odorama card, as soon as you open the Criterion case, yeah. it just reeks of chemicals. Like oh. you just get this like whiff of oh. like smell. And you're like, of God, course. this movie reeks. It's Modern great. day Odorama. <laughs> <laughs> the card itself, uh, I was actually scratching along with the movie, which oh. I don't know if I've ever done that before. Like, I've maybe, t- maybe tested the card before and right. like, oh, this doesn't smell like anything. Uh, the new one, <laughs> the first smell is, like, really strong. And the first one is, like, a, a distraction. Like, the first one is a, uh, a fake out because it's roses. You're like, oh, that's the kind of smells you can get this. And you smell it, and it's, like, very perfumey. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, that actually smells pleasant. And the second one is something like a fart. Well, because I think the first one is like the Francine smelling like an air freshener or something, right? Uh, I think it? it's the scientist explaining the Odorama technology. Oh, yeah. And then the second one is whenever her husband farts in bed. Right. And those two are really distinct. Like, oh, that smells like a fart. It's gross. Awesome. And then there's another one early on that's like poppers. Like is they're, it? They're doing like amyl nitrate. And oh, that, fuck yes. That smelled like... It <laughs> smelled like chemicals. Smells like a popper. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but... I will say from like four to like eight, like four to six or something like there's like an area where like, I don't know if that smells on the card were like mixing too strong or if they just weren't as distinct. I was like, I can't, it smells like something, but it didn't really smell like I what like it was it's supposed to be on the screen. Because like maybe if you get like coffee grinds to sniff in between smells to <laughs> like cleanse palate your cleanser. palate. <laughs> Yes, to just like get get yourself ready for the next scratch and sniff experience. That might work. And then there was a, another perfumey one towards the end. I think she's spraying air freshener uh, to like alleviate the uh, rancid smell of her house Odor. burning or something. And uh, <laughs> that smelled distinct too. So like the perfumey ones worked somewhere in the middle. It was kind of mucky, but I just liked that the movie itself like reeked when I opened it. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Stinky, dirty film from yeah. Criterion. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, that's plenty of uh, what we've been watching lately. Yeah. And now it's time to get into the new metal goodness. Yes! <laughs> Brittany's pumped. <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right, right now. now. Humans are animals. Brute creatures. Their destruction can only make sense. We found other ways to coexist. Oh, yes. In silence. In shadows and shame. And for what? For respect of mortals. They are nothing to us. They are merely food. And now it's time for our movie of the minute. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. What did you make me watch this episode, Brittany? I have been trying to find a way to make Brandon watch Queen of the Fucking Damned for a very long time. I wanted to do like movie of the month, but it just never happened. And I've been trying to weasel it into a podcast. And then Brandon came up with this great idea of, hey, let's do new metal vampires. And the best and the like ultimate new metal vampire movie is the film queen of the damned so i made brandon watch queen of the damned and as we talked about at the top of the episode corn is like a very central part <laughs> of new metal music let's talk about corn for a second okay and i'm not going to talk about them too much but the reason corn has such a huge impact on queen of the damned is that jonathan davis the lead singer of corn performed the songs in the film like he's saying the uh, songs that he wrote for this movie in this movie and he was the singing voice of the film's main character and these songs are so good they're kind of more gothic as opposed to like what corn is typically like they're a little more on the gothy side than just yeah. straight up new metal but it's like new metal goth jams it's great well anyways so last year Jonathan Davis came out with a solo album called Black Labyrinth and it's awesome like it has that same style like the music he wrote for Queen of the Damned he kind of brought that into his own solo project and made this whole album that sounds like amazing so me and my brother went to go see him perform in Pensacola and it was at this um, vinyl music hall it was super tiny and it was just like this really good intimate experience with Jonathan Davis. Wow. You could smell his dreads from across <laughs> the room. smell those stinky, delicious dreads <laughs> <laughs> full of sweat and like smoke from like years of cigarettes. <laughs> and the band that opened was Julian Kay, which is now the, the lead singer of Julian Kay is the founding member of the band Orgy. Oh, okay. So Orgy does have some music on the Queen of the Damned soundtrack. Well, the lead singer of the band before like Jonathan Davis came out just like talked about how like corn was like the foundation of new metal and I don't know why but I like screamed like I think the veins came out of my neck where he was like who's thankful for the corn revolution <laughs> and I was like fuck yes I am <laughs> How many times do you think you've seen them in concert? I've seen Corn only twice. Okay. And I've seen Jonathan Davis once at that okay. show. So, so we're, we're about even. It's just been, uh, yes. there's like a good decade, because I couldn't 15 go year to, gap in there. The first concert I went to, I think it was like Britney Spears and I was like 12 or 13. Like I'm jealous of that. I've never seen it was her. was awesome. Yeah. But anyways, at the show where he was performing Black Labyrinth, he snuck in Queen of the Damn songs. Wow. So I lost my shit because I didn't expect it. I thought, oh, he's just going to do his album. And then he like 
did three songs from the Queen of the Dam soundtrack, and it was fucking awesome. I'm sure they looked a lot more natural coming out of his mouth than they do out of uh, uh, Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend's <laughs> mouth. Yes, they did. Because it, I don't know if it's because I already like had all this history listening to Corn Records when I was like 13. Yeah. Or if it really just doesn't mix well, but like. I can't look at him and hear that voice and you, like, assume it's coming out of his body. Jonathan Davis's voice, like, it's gritty and it's emotional and it's very distinct. And coming out of, like, a slender, like, snake-like man's body, it's just very weird. It doesn't mesh well. Yeah, Stuart Townsend's dressed up in this movie like... Marilyn Manson. Uh, right? I was actually thinking was uh, the vampire from Twilight, whose names I can't remember. Oh, oh. Robert Pattinson. Don't you dare. I think he does. He has this like kind of like hard rock glittery uh, look to him. He looks a lot he is, like he Edward. He goes so much harder than that fucking Edward Cullen kid. Like he's got fucking tight leather pants. Okay. And like mesh shirts. He well, is goth as fuck. Well, Robert Pattinson's already made much better movies than Stuart Townsend ever has. So <laughs> maybe that's. <laughs> I don't think any movie Robert Pattinson has made is better than this one. But that's a different story. Whoa. I, was, Whoa. I stand true. Maybe the lighthouse will change your tune later this we'll month. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, if Corn has anything to do with the fucking lighthouse movie, <laughs> we'll see. If not, then I don't think so. I would be very surprised. (laughs) So what happens in Queen of the Damned? (laughs) Queen of the Damned is a film based off of Anne Rice's novel or novels. Anne Rice, who is a huge horror writer that is from New Orleans. She doesn't live here anymore. She lives in like a condo in Florida. I think she hates and she wants to come back. She has a huge following, right? And... She is best known for her Vampire Chronicle series, where the first is the interview with a vampire, which was made into a movie. Um, And then there's the Vampire Lestat. And then there's the Queen of the Damned. There was a lot of success with the film Interview with a Vampire. So then they're like, hey, we should probably make another one. So what happened was, is parts of the Vampire Lestat was taken and parts of Queen of the Dam was taken to create the film Queen of the Damned. And it divided the Anne Rice fan community <laughs> majorly, where people either fucking hate this movie with a passion and are super pissed off about it, or they thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's sitting at about a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> uh, but when you talk about it, um, I think people of a certain age, when they first saw it, like, it was like very important to them. It was Twilight for a generation where it for like, me, like yeah. I think it was like the first like big vampire movie that I can recall that wasn't like once bitten or something cheesy. Like mm-hmm. it was a good vampire movie. I mean, it is very cheesy. It's very corny. I should say corny with a K. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know. There's just like a lot of like divide with that where it's good. I think it's good. I think it's one of the best vampire movies out there. Throwing it out there. Probably my favorite. Um, (laughs) but the thing is, is like, oh, like it doesn't follow the book. It's too bizarre, but it's kind of like its own monster, which I like, but it does pull from that Lestat character. And like, if you read the books, like I pictured Lestat being more like Stuart Townsend than Tom Cruise anyway, like, you know, just this like dark self-loathing, like mysterious fucker. And I think Stuart Townsend portrayed him really well. I have questions about this because I don't read the books. Okay. Is Lestat supposed to be kind of a dumbass? He's just a dick. Okay. But you love him. He's a douchebag, like a total horrible person. Not a person, but a vampire. (laughs) But 
it's like he pulls you in like you get so intrigued by him and you root for him and you feel like why am i rooting for him he it's, makes some like very weird. rash decisions like a kid in a candy shop in this movie because like, he's so cocky yeah yeah he's just cocky that's kind of what it was and you know Anne rice like never really shit on this movie i mean she got the rights back from like the big movie companies to her characters so they're um doing like a more like mini series now instead of films but she'd never really like shit on this movie like she didn't really have anything super negative to say about it so i'm um, just throwing that out there for all the Anne rice junkies i want to talk shit about this movie <laughs> i have no dog in that fight at all <laughs> like i do not care <laughs> what all these books have in common is they follow lestat de Lioncourt or Lioncourt, however you want to pronounce it and he's this french nobleman turned vampire whenever we start in queen of the damned in the movie there's this like ridiculously long monologue in the beginning of like Lestat describing like his life and like his thoughts and everything, which it's super funny to me, but it's unnecessary, I think. Well, he is awoken from his grave by the sounds of new metal. He, he's in the uh, <laughs> above ground New Orleans cemeteries. Yes. And there is like a new metal garage band who's like jamming out and he um appears in their like practice room and then immediately starts singing and it's Jonathan Davis's voice coming out of his body and they're all like whoa <laughs> just kind of blown away I can kind of almost justify the dissonance there and like he's a magical being and this voice like bellows and calls out to other vampires from like across the world mm-hmm. so I guess like it kind of makes sense that you don't really hear the voice as being his like it's like almost like a superpower that this jonathan davis voice comes out of his little tiny body thank you for like comparing jonathan davis's voice to a superpower because <laughs> it he has a phenomenal voice it's so distinct thank god for him do for jonathan know, davis do you want to been like a better casting if you wanted to like match Ooh. the body um the guy from placebo <laughs> i think because uh, uh, Lestat has like very that androgynous fucking yeah, hotness. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love placebo. Me too. I have a placebo DVD with their concert that I Amazing. watch a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is like one band I would travel to Europe to see. I used to love the Cruel Intentions DVD had a um, special. I love. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Every Me, Every You. Uh, and yes. it was. The music video is clips from the movie and um, clips from their concert Ugh, just, uh, like, mixed together. I sit in my room as a teenager and just listen to special needs and just like stare at the ceiling and be like, I hate my life. Like I fucking knew what that song was about. But <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, he could have even played the character, but if not, like the voice right. would have matched the body better. With Jonathan right. Davis, it's like this otherworldly voice coming out of this little tiny. Indeed. Which makes it more body. like, yeah. yeah. Which adds to the vampiricness of it. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, Lestat becomes this like world renowned rock star overnight. He gets this huge popularity and he is fucking open as hell about being a vampire, which has like the vampire community in a tizzy, right? Because they're like, this dude's got to shut up. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like we're in hiding because for a fucking reason. And he's like, no, I'm the shit and I'm going to flaunt it and I want everyone to know and fucking come at me, right? He's just cocky, but you love him for it. I love him for it. <laughs> New metal is what wakes up vampires, okay? <laughs> like I think that's the big thing to take away. If you play corn loud enough by a cemetery, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? So... Not only did New Metal wake up Lestat, but Lestat's New Metal wakes up Akasha. Played by Aaliyah. She is 
everything. I recently watched. So the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race is now available on Prime. That's crazy. So I watched it and there is a drag queen, Chanel, who wears this Akasha inspired outfit. What? I have to see that. And I think like Ru makes like, um, you know how like Ru makes a sassy comments and they're doing their runway and he's like, ooh, Akasha, something, something. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck yes, RuPaul. Um, That's the season that looks like it was filmed in Ru's garage. It looks, um, as like one of my friends said, she's like, it looks like they put like a dryer sheet over the camera. Oh yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> Everyone has like that softening Snapchat filter and they all look like babies. But yeah, so basically Akasha gets awoken and she is the queen of the dam. She's like the mother of all vampires. Kind of like the RuPaul of vampires, right? Yeah. And she is like destructive as all fuck. She wants to rule the world, but she wants to rule the world of everyone being dead. She is fascinated by what Lestat is doing. Like not really pissed off at him. She's like just as into him as everybody else is. And another individual that's into him, which I think this love story kind of feels weird at times, but um, Jesse, who is part of the Talamasca, she's this young girl who's like a, does a lot of research with vampire shit. She comes across like Lestat's journal and totally gets like the hots for him through his journal and then also his like cool malaments and like music video on TV. I found her so distracting because she's in one of my favorite comedies. The Mighty Ducks? Oh, yeah. She's the goalie from the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking though. Oh, okay. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> oh. Uh, she's like the main girl from that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, I forgot she was the goalie in Mighty yes, Ducks. Yeah, that's too, the yeah. only thing I knew her from. Yeah. Um. So she is like kind of infatuated with Lestat. So he's got like Akasha and kind of Jesse like after him in a way. Uh, he's also got his mentor who's also in love with him in, in like a gay, Oof, explicitly gay way. Yes. There's a scene where they share an intimate talk um, on a scaffold on a billboard promoting one of Lestat's albums. And they're sitting on a scaffold directly at crotch level. <laughs> so like the homoerotic tension is you know they're not trying to hide it like it is very much part of the movie but i just really like that they have this like intimate conversation on his crotch he's like <laughs> he's, he's like lestat's leather daddy for oh sure. for sure yeah. yeah it's awesome and he's the guy who originally turned him way turned before him. even the uh interview with the vampire and there's plenty of flashbacks to oh, that he totally era. wanted his own little boy like he wanted lestat to be like his little vampire slave i think yeah so there's this huge concert that is like the first and kind of the only live concert Lestat does where he's like, come out and get me vampires. And it's in death Valley. And Jonathan Davis has a cameo. Oh, he's scalping tickets. He's a scalper. Yeah. He's trying to uh, sell Jesse tickets to the concert. <laughs> I was uh, fucking with Cece while we we're watching. I'm like, look who it is. It's Jonathan Davis. She's like, I know who that is. I'm like, look at him. It's him. <laughs> I'm it, sure she loved that. It's not a quick cameo. They like really it's like linger on it. He's, yeah. he's almost like a character, right. right? In this movie. So there's this huge concert in Death Valley and it's massive. And like as the camera pans into the crowd, like down with the sickness is playing. Oh wow. And all the uh, uh, parts, <laughs> there's like flames that come from these like huge towers. Beautiful. It's awesome. It's so new metal. Can I tell you something about that scene? Yes. So they filmed that in Australia. <laughs> and um, in order to fill the crowd, they scoured every goth bar and every like <laughs> internet forum uh, for Australian goths. They just like went on. I don't even know if like vampire freaks was a thing back then, but like calling all vampire freaks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yes. They found 3,000 goths in <laughs> Melbourne. So if you were a goth kid in the early 2000s, you, were, you lived in Melbourne, Australia, you were probably you were in, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
my god, that's beautiful, amazing. I had no idea. I read that today. Okay, that's (laughs) awesome. Um, so there's this like fucking massive concert full of like Australian goth kids apparently, and while Lestat is performing, where he does like this great um like snaky body move, almost like you know remember the band Velvet Revolver? No. Iggy Pop kind of does that, like lizard. Yes, body like very movement, lizardy, yeah. um, crawling. Like how Kel and Kath and Kim like speed walks, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> just like Kel. <laughs> and then, like while he's performing, vampires in the audience attack him, and like Jesse's like Lestat, trying to warn him, like he could fucking hear her. It's so ridiculous, but funny. Marius and Lestat are fighting off all these vampires that are trying to like take him down, and then Akasha fucking bust through the stage wood flies everywhere and might i add that the cgi in this film is fantastic it's so bad it's great it's very (laughs) vampiric especially there are moments where lestat and jesse are flying over the city so basically akasha takes lestat on after that right and he has like this weird like love affair with her and she's like you know you're gonna be my king and after that it's like kind of like the second half of the movie i would say like you could split this movie in two where you've got like lestat new metal life and then the second half of the film is more like a very old world vampire surroundings with like um lestat and akasha like taking sexy baths together and stuff like that (laughs) and trying to rule the world right yeah okay and there's a lot of flashbacks cutting back to his origins right so there's three competing timelines here Mm -hmm. So it is pretty complicated and plotty, I would yeah, say. It is. It, it is all over the place. And I think it's easy for me to follow because I've seen the movie like so many times where like I know what's happening. But I think if you've come into it fresh, which you did, like how yeah. did you find that? Well, essentially he has like three love interests. Right. And that's kind of how I divide the movie in my brain. Like he has this mentor who turned him originally mm-hmm. and he has this like... Not Van Helsing type, but like this like vampire uh, enthusiast. enthusiast. Right? She, and she wants to be a vampire so fucking bad, too. Yeah. yeah. And then he has this Aaliyah character, Makasha, who he awakens. And that's like his drug. Like the way that everyone else is attracted to him. He's attracted to this other person who's like more dangerous than him. And right. C- and he can't help but be pulled into her orbit. Much to the jealousy of the mentor and the uh, young mortal girl who are in love with him. So, I don't know. I just kind of thought of it as this, like, complicated love... A bizarre love triangle. Or... Shit square. Love square across (laughs) time. It's a love square. (laughs) New metal love square. New metal love square across (laughs) time and space, you know? Yes. Uh, It's kind of like a world-traveling movie (laughs) where, like, a lot of it's in London, some of it's in New Orleans, some of it's in California. And we'll get more into the London-New Orleans vampire connection later on. yeah, for sure. It's weird, but it's a thing, apparently, especially in new metal vampire movies. But I didn't really care about the mythology, like the Anne Rice-ness of it, yeah. so much as I cared about who wants to fuck who. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's very like high school drama in that way. Like and like he's the, in love with her, but she's in love with this other guy. Scenes I think are so good in this movie. Like there's one where he's kind of seducing these two girls, like to kill them, but he starts like crawling on the floor, and then he starts crawling on the wall, and then he starts crawling on the ceiling, all while like new metal music is playing. <laughs> Okay, this is where we should talk about the CGI in this movie. Okay. That was the first scene where I noticed how bad it is. <laughs> so there's these, like, two new metal groupies that are sent as snacks to his um, right. house. They think they're going to have sex, but really he's just going to drain them. By his, like, manager that reminds me of, like, Big Ann from Mob Wives. <laughs> <laughs> what do I look like, a plumber? Exactly. <laughs> 
So he crawls up the ceiling and then descends down on both of them at once. Almost like this like menage a trois set up. Right. When he falls, this is what the effect of the CGI looks like. <laughs> and it happens anytime someone flies or like moves really fast. Which happens a lot. A lot. Do you remember in like Windows like ninety five or like ninety nine? <laughs> the, uh, they had those like cursor options where like your mouse could look like it has a trail, <laughs> like a ghost. Yeah, it, mouse it's like ghost. that. It's like it leaves this like really stuttered like trail. <laughs> I want to say you're wrong, Brandon, but you're so fucking right. Oh, it looks so weird. And then also, there's so much fire and explosions in the movie, and anytime there's CGI, it just looks like surreally it's so cheap slow motion. It doesn't look like reality. It looks like some, like, you know, weird animation. It's what it is. Right. It never stops looking weird. Like, anytime a CGI action happens, it's always odd. Now, so the part where Lestat tells, like, Je- like they're at, like, the Admiral's Arms, which is, like, this cool as shit goth, like, back alley London vamp club, right? Yeah. And he's, like, he grabs her and then, like, they fly together. Mm. And it's weird because, like, you just see, like, what the city would look like and when it focuses on them it's just like a slow motion swirl of their bodies that's kind of like very fuzzy i love that sequence this is like the mortal girl who's like interested in vampires right she's like show me your world and then he like (laughs) Like aladdin like aladdin and then he flies her across the city in this like you know superman green screen it looks so bad and then they go to this observatory and fly around there for a little bit which is also a scene in la la land um like the two characters in that movie fly up around the same observatory stole from him (laughs) yeah really Um, so i don't know it's just like this really corny like love tryst they have and i love it very corny with a k (laughs) yeah i I love that sequence it really struck me out of nowhere it's like oh this isn't a horror well it's a horror film i don't want to take that away from it right it's like oh this is like a romance film on top of being a horror film i guess so all in all what do you think about queen of the damned this is going to be something I say probably every single movie we talk about today. Okay. I liked it. Uh, it was fun as like a novelty. And I really liked returning to this like new metal era. Yes. Um, I did this last year too with these um, William Castle remakes. I know we already mentioned William Castle at the top of the episode. Yeah. They made a bunch of like new metal versions of his movies. What are they? Like House of Wax with like oh, yeah. uh, with Paris Hilton. Hilton and, uh, I love Paris Hilton very much. What are the other so. ones? House on Haunted Hill they remade and yes. 13 Ghosts. This felt like that. It, it was a... <laughs> time when there was a lot of these like big budget horror movies being made now is a little different like now our horror films are coming from these like independent filmmakers like these like ari asters and uh robert eggers god bless ari aster i i love him love that guy he gets gets a lot of shit from like film nerd people but whatever whatever movies are fucking awesome and they're hilarious yeah they're They're beautiful and funny yes yeah that's all i want and creepy So, yeah, it just felt good to return to this, like, cheesy, over-the-top, big-budget action spectacle. And I liked that in this movie, the business of that is part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, New Metal is a big seller in this film. He gets so popular so fast, and he holds these, like, giant press conferences where he can, like, have all these people eating out of his hands. All and for New Metal. The reason he can pull that giant Death Valley concert with all these people showing up is that he doesn't tour and people want to see him in concert so bad they'll show up in the desert like on his turf on his terms right and i just love that i mean i don't know if this was on purpose or not but he just came across as a big showboating idiot like a sex idiot everyone wants to fuck him he's good at fucking (laughs) i mean in this case fucking usually means just draining blood and not actually having sex (laughs) and he uses that like allure 
to do the dumbest shit. Like, he just draws attention to himself. He has no plan. He just wants to be a showboat when everyone's been trying so hard for centuries to, like, keep the secret under wraps. And then (laughs) when shit hits the fan, he, like, is just, like, loving it. Everyone else is like, do you know how bad this is that this vampire queen you've awakened who can kill us and you know other vampires can't kill each other but she can kill us and he's just like sipping his cup of tea with his pinky up like drama yes (laughs) so between that and between Aaliyah, who has very few scenes in this movie even though she's the title character i love the scene where she kills the entire goth bar full of characters with just her fucking hands like just like and I want to say her other two big scenes are, like, the Death Valley concert and, like, the final showdown. Her big scenes are all just, like, these giant, like, massacre parts with a lot of CGI fire explosions yeah. of, like, vampires catching flame. That's, like, really where I was won over. I liked the, like, romance cheese of it. Mm-hmm. And I liked just the idea that new Metal was, like, making a lot of money at the time. <laughs> and that's part of, like, the fabric of the film. It's so funny because I don't think any, like, new Metal band was as powerful as, like, Lestat was. I don't think, like anyone would have been able to like pull that off well if you think about like the family values tours that had like corn and limp biscuit and orgy and oh incubus you know and all those bands torn together <laughs> this is they're pretty big stadium this acts is like at the, time. the um family values tour brandon <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't think Aaliyah would have been on the bill in family values no it's really funny that she's in this but she's like so beautiful and like her costume is gorgeous like she's so iconic in this movie i think the film ended shortly like before she died so if yeah, i'm not dedicated to her yes so if i'm not mistaken like there were some parts that they had to like spruce up so she, they got her brother to play her Whoa. because he had like a very like you know like tiny lanky body like her interesting if i'm not mistaken i read that somewhere don't quote me but i think it's true that could be internet hearsay i think it might i be. like it yeah. i hope it's true i think it's true too <laughs> and i loved that they chose her i mean they could have chosen like anyone but I, they, they went for like this young like r&b artist she was the first person cast and it was um, on yeah. the strength of her role in Romeo Must Die, yes. in which she had a lot of lines and like was a main character. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little different for her. But I, I, I don't know. I buy her as like this like powerful figure. Yes. It's just cool how like it works where you have like a new metal movie and like a petite R&B chick who is just as powerful as like all the other fucking new metal shit. Like it's yeah. awesome. So before I forget, one of the most important things about this film is the soundtrack. Jonathan Davis and I think like Monkey and Head and other some other corn. Yeah, you know, all your friends from corn. <laughs> all, all my buddies participated in like like Jonathan Davis wrote like a lot like the most of like the original music. I think all the original music, um, lyrics, sang it on the film. He was Lasad's voice, right? And like I think Monkey and Head like might have done some instrumental stuff on some songs, but not all of them. And when the soundtrack was released. Jonathan Davis had commitments with his label and they wouldn't release the soundtrack with his voice. So he chose his new metal friends to record the songs he wrote. So the guy from Static X and Yeah, Wayne Static. Wayne Static. You don't know of his name, damn it. <laughs> Did not know that. That's hilarious. Um and the lead singer of Orgy, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. The soundtrack's phenomenal. So there's original songs written by Jonathan Davis in the soundtrack, sung by major new metal artists. 
so it's just kind of like these one-offs which i like like i love it like when you fall in love with like a band and you're like i've listened to everything and they have like this one extra thing kind of like lincoln park where if you love lincoln park listen to system sung by chester bennington as part of the soundtrack it's awesome there's some static x songs some power man 5000 i think and kidney thieves i fucking love kidney thieves never heard of them <sighs> it's a chick band Oh, awesome. I would have loved them at the time. New metal ladies. I mean, one of my favorite bands when I was 13 was Kitty. Remember them? Yes, they were like <laughs> Lady Corn. They were Lady Corn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they say I sound like brackish. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's really hard to find Jonathan Davis's version of the songs he wrote in this movie unless you watch clips of the movie. Like, it's not anywhere. Or if you were able to catch him on his Black Labyrinth tour, you were blessed with it as well. Humble brag. Humble brag right there. (laughs) (laughs) It was like me and like five other people that understood that. Everyone else there. So it was, I hate to bash Florida, but it was in Pensacola. So everybody was like strung out on something. And like, I just remember looking behind me and there were a bunch of dudes, like sweaty dudes with corn shirts saying, play corn play corn and i'm like this isn't you're not a true fan right like it's not a corn concert get the fuck out of here turds but yeah so i love this movie i watch it all the time especially like in october it's just like a good like on saturday nights like when i'm ending my night and i put my gym jams on i'll just like put on queen of the damned and like you know put the ac on real high and snuggle with a nook you know and it's just like this wonderful warm feeling that i get when i watch it it's it's comforting i love this movie oh. lichen horde scattered to the wind in a single evening of flame and retribution. Victory, it seemed, was in our grasp. The very birthright of the vampires. So what other vampire movies from this new metal era did we watch, Brittany? So another one that we watched, I would say is probably the biggest one. It's the only one that actually got like a whole series and it's Underworld. actually you would be surprised but go on <laughs> wait i know what you're gonna talk about and i can't wait to talk about it because i accidentally searched what you're thinking okay. and then i came up with that and i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> okay, okay good 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 <laughs> we'll yeah, get to that'll that that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> so underworld is another like very sexy new metal vampire movie where the lead role is kate beckinsale Who's this like hot as shit, like Matrix looking vampire, like badass bitch, right? This is such a film that is like style over substance, I think. Um, And I love it for that. It is beautiful. So they made five of these, right? Did you watch all of them? I have Underworld and I have Underworld Evolution. And I went to see Rise of the Lycans in theaters. And I don't, I think I might have stopped. The fifth one came out like 2016, like recently. What was the fifth one? I don't fucking know. Okay. (laughs) Well, there's a lot, but they're, I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah. um, If it's like on the internet or something. Okay. They're kind of like Resident (laughs) Evil. Like you'd be surprised by how many there are. Right. She has a lot of good, like Resident Evil, like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider moves and vibes going on. Right. Also, she married the director for a while. uh, Just like the lady from Resident Evil did with her director too. Weird. (laughs) Very weird. (laughs) And there was some drama on this being like a video game. 
like there's like a lawsuit and some controversy of it like it's copying. not a video game video game right they stole the plot from this from this tabletop role-playing oh game. a role-playing i thought it was a video game uh, and like the, resident evil it was really funny to me to read that because if you read the reviews reviewers don't like any of these movies i should get that out of the way <laughs> this has a slightly higher rating than queen of the damned but not by much and the one thing that people praise is that the mythology is really well sketched out well they just borrowed it wholesale from this like vampires and werewolves <laughs> rpg game and they got sued and settled out of court <laughs> we don't know what the exact settlement was but right well you know what? i never heard of the damn game so it mustn't have been that good i had Losers. friends who played in high school damn it <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I mean, they were real nerds, and they were not in a majority in any way. <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like I have to defend all these new metal vampire movies. <laughs> Somebody has to. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> so what is the mythology? So the mythology of this is there's, like, the secret war going on, right? An ancient Bet- blood feud. <laughs> ancient blood feud between vampires and lichens, which are, like, werewolves, right? Lycanthropes. Like which you know there's a shakira song called she wolf mm. and one of the lyrics in the song you know that song she wolf where no. she's like in a bloody cave and she's like she's a she wolf i need to watch this immediately watch it immediately <laughs> well there's a part in the song where she's like this is lycanthropy <laughs> i love it so anyway rise of the lichens shakira she wolf so the lichens and the vampires are at war and the vampires think that they have like killed out all the lichens like they killed the leader so they think and like most of them and there's still like some out there and kate beckinsale her job is to kind of like kill off the remaining lichens and she dumps all of this information <laughs> on you in this like opening monologue <sighs> where she's like posed on the top of a skyscraper like batman overlooking yes. london which is beautiful like just the essence of her in like all black leather boots cape looking like a badass being a vampire and looking over London where it's got like these blues and these black hues like it is just so beautiful and it's like raining it's so good I love her fetish outfit it's like this skin tight leather (laughs) bodysuit with like this old-fashioned corset on top just to like give her some like body definition it's it's really funny how is she not squeaking when she moves like like, how does she bend sideways to shoot at these werewolves she's a vampire right so she starts to suspect that one of the leaders in her vampire community um, is involved in some treachery, right? And she also comes across a human who's like this sexy dude named Michael. And the Lycans are after him. And she doesn't know why. She wants to know why. So all this shit's happening. And she's like, you know what? I have to awaken one of the vampire elders, Victor. Played by Bill Nighy. Yes. And it's weird, but he is so good looking as a vampire it's weird i felt very weird okay being so into it yeah <laughs> i love him as a vampire he's a sensual old man <laughs> he's a great guy speaking of british actors that are weird to see in these movies uh michael sheen plays the nerdiest little like werewolf leader he's ever. got long scraggly <laughs> grease hair so um she awakens him and like the elder vampires i love how there's like three of them right there's like victor Marcus and I think Amelia, Amelia is the other one. I mean, it's hard to know because they saved the other two for the sequels. So you only get to see one. Right. So they one. rotate. So they hibernate and then like they take turns getting woken up and she is like a century ahead and she like has an emergency awakening for Victor because she's like shit is going down. I think that the leader of the Lycans isn't dead. And I think that um, there's some shady shit going on in our vampire coven. Um, so she wakes him up. 
And once that happens, I think like the film just becomes like an action packed blood fest. Yeah, this is like an, a horror <laughs> action film. Um, last year we watched a lot of stuff like this, like Blade and. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Blade. Oh, it's ripping it off. Yeah. Blade and Resident <laughs> Evil, a little bit of Romeo and Juliet because she falls in love with this like werewolf guy oh. and it's across the like blood feud lines. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about Michael. So the Lycans develop a they're trying to do a crossbreed right they're trying to do like a vampire werewolf and they're using michael to try this out so that shit's pretty cool right and my favorite part of this movie is that there's like not a lot of cgi used it was all like makeup special effects robots they crafted these like lichen costumes and they like hand sewed like yak hair into it so it looks really creepy they sort of made the werewolves look sexy in a weird way. Like most werewolves are like covered in hair and they're burly and nasty. And these are very like toned. They almost look like little Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Like they're, you can see all their muscle definition and there's just like little spurts of like yak hair <laughs> sewn in in yeah. weird places. Right. But it's, uh, it's just cool. Like the, the, all the werewolves were people in costumes that were like part robot, which I thought was really neat. I do not give a shit about this movie's mythology at all. Right. Like the werewolves versus vampires thing. I don't care at right. all. I did like this movie a good bit. And it was because the werewolves look so fucking cool. Right. Right. And then I watched the creature effects uh, special feature in the DVD, which oh, cool. I think it sounds like what, where you were pulling that information yeah. from. But yeah, they're yes. like individually punching these like yak hairs on the yes. masks. Yes. And then they created these like stilts and. Right. Like these to make the werewolves taller. So there were like actors inside these costumes on these like robotic little like stilts. And it's it crazy. takes multiple people with these remote controls to make their faces move along with the actors. And it's like so much work to fight the CGI shit in right. like Queen of the Damned where like that stuff hasn't aged well at all. But like these close-ups of these werewolves Are still look so, so good. They're so good. Right. And if you look at clips, I didn't watch the sequels, but if you look at clips, they hold on to that for like about three movies out of the five. Right. The last two, they start getting they these like CGI werewolves. <laughs> so like the battle is kind of lost, but you can feel um, Len Wiseman is the guy who makes all these movies. Okay. You can feel him like reaching and fighting hard to keep like these practical effects. <laughs> right. I mean, they probably spend so much fucking money on these costumes that they're probably like, let's use them for every movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably hard to sell that to your producers. Like, mm -hmm. this movie had to be financed from producers in three different countries. Wild. Because he and this, like, practical effects guy who he worked on with in Stargate, I think, they decided they have to be these physical creations. And we're going to spend all this money and effort. And when you watch this behind the scenes thing, it's like dozens and dozens and dozens of people had to work to make this happen just like all these artists coming together to make these beautiful lichens right well <laughs> like no wonder everyone else just uses cgi it's so much less work you can like, see the work and like i love the the creature feature um special effect thing because they show them making like bill Nehe's like headpiece oh. and it looks exactly like him and it's just being like hand carved mm -hmm. and sculpted it is so it's just it's beautiful. He has one of the best effects in the movie, too, when she wakes him up. Um, <sighs> she has to feed him this blood to, like... And he's just, like... He looks almost like sci-fi, right? Where he's, like, hooked yeah. up to this, like, blood injection thing, and it's just all over his back. Tubes and like tubes octopus. of blood are, like, leading out of the back of his body. It looks Fucking really awesome. cool. It's, like, a lot of stuff with Underworld, and, like, more so Underworld than these other vampire movies, is they're mixing, like 
futurism with like this old world gothic style and it looks really fucking well, cool the other movie they rip off a lot along with like blade and resident evil is the matrix because they have oh, a lot of that uh wire work yeah too, yeah i mean long trench coats and like giant guns and, and slow motion like kick flips yeah mm-hmm. there's a scene where uh kate beckinsale needs to escape these werewolves so she just spins in a circle shooting the uh floor and like cuts a circle in the floor with bullets yes. to fall a story down she is such a badass she's very calm in this movie yeah she's got kind of a hushed way of talking which i find kind of interesting because the, the action is loud and explosive and like flashy and you have all these wire work like matrix type like wuxia werewolves like crawling all over the walls and like <laughs> and she's just so calm and collected yeah she's just like too cool like she's just, like <laughs> this like ice queen kind of like uh, even like where there's moments where i'm like the vampires are like turning their backs and backstabbing other vampires and she's like i have to awaken victor yeah. <laughs> she's so chill there's like no emotion it. to her feeling betrayed or anything but i think it fits the character i guess mm-hmm. like i don't it's, i don't really feel like she's like supposed to be overly emotional i kind of like that she's this calm cold like assassin yeah i don't know i didn't feel very strongly towards any of these movies but i did get really dorky about the werewolf effects of this it's just this movie is just is beautiful like the whole thing the costumes the like settings mm-hmm all the action even the gore is just like it's so like pretty everything is pretty I still have a hard time imagining watching four more of these though like i didn't care that much about watching, the story like re-watching it i haven't watched it in a long time like i even have a copy of the dvd and i forgot i had it so i borrowed brandon yeah <laughs> like that's how much i watch it um but i you know watching it i'm like it was like really cool like, i kind of want to watch the other ones now so i might i might do that i mean it's halloween season so why not what better time yeah. to do it I feel like um, yeah. we should talk about the new metalness or lack of it here. So lack of new metal music, right? I think it was more like industrial style, like right. background music Post than rock. new metal. But I believe the soundtrack on here, there was some like songs from Amy Lee <laughs> of Evanescence. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, and I know there's some A Perfect Circle, they played Judith. Well, the guy who did the soundtrack um, played keyboards and bass and guitar with Nine Inch Nails, A Perfect Circle, and Marilyn Manson. I don't think any of those bands are new metal, but they all saw a huge spike in record sales around the time that new metal got famous, you know, like... New metal and, like, early 2000s, late 90s, like, industrial goth music is kind of, like, on the same page. Yeah. So, like, most of the soundtrack is very, like, droney, mm-hmm. like you said, industrial, post-rock kind of sound. Right. Uh, and then an hour and 15 minutes into the movie, like, very late, once this, like, hybrid vampire werewolf guy suddenly realizes he's a werewolf for the first time, uh, he's in the back of a cop car, and the cops are like, won't this guy shut up? And they crank the radio, and then these, like, guitars flood in. It's like, oh, that's what I've been missing this whole movie. It's like this like guitar <laughs> soundtrack. Yes. Because that drony industrial sound makes it feel kind of slow and moody and like which is weird for an action packed <laughs> like action horror. Like it's a superhero horror film kind of. You know, with the style and the tone, yes, it's a new metal vampire movie, but it needed more new metal. I think it did, yeah. I think that would have made it more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like more serious to have this like honestly. I mean, I don't want to be too much of an asshole here, but like better, smarter musician behind it. Yeah. This really thoughtful, moody, orchestral, industrial score going into it. 
is the wrong tone for this film. It needed like this like fun what new metal band like corn. You can't pick them because mm. they've already got Queen of the Damned. So what new metal band would you assign Underworld to? Uh, if we're going to kind of go off bands we mentioned today already, I think Orgy would fit really well. Right. Because uh, they have this like kind of. They're more on the industrial new metal side, right? Yeah, but they have like a dancey beat to them, and they're like right. very um, sexually ambiguous, which is what I liked about that. Not kind that of... I want to bring this up again. Yeah, but on the night I saw Jonathan Davis, yeah, I on his Black Labyrinth tour, and Julian K opened up with two members from Orgy. They um, were like, "So you guys remember a band called Orgy?" And they played like Blue Monday, and I freaked out. But yeah, needs a little more new metal in that <laughs> recipe. I agree. I think some guitar riffage would have like livened it up a little bit because yes. for a movie with a lot of action, it does feel a little like sluggish. Yes. Um, but the werewolves look so fucking cool. They're gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous, and so is Kay Beckinsale. So at least watch it for that. Do you know what movie has a lot of new metal in it? <laughs> hmm. What, Brandon? From the year two thousand, this movie called Dracula two thousand. This is like Lincoln Park's movie. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, the uh, their first hit plays One over the end One step closer to the edge. And I'm about to... I need a little room to breathe. <laughs> Break! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this movie is very odd. It's marketed as Wes Craven Presents Dracula 2000. <laughs> it is so insane. I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but I, when I went to search for this movie to watch it, the first thing that came up was Dracula 3000. Yeah, there's two sequels. I was like, wait, I lost it. Did you look into it? Is it set another thousand years in the future? No, or? I just, I, I kind of like put a little like heart on it to save it to some favorites and come back to it at a later Beautiful. time. I don't know if I'm ready, but I think I'm ready after this episode so of too, like yeah. <laughs> Dracula 3000 is what's the next one? 4,000? Like, I'm are they good thousands? Question. I have okay. no idea. Anyways, I just saw that there were two sequels and I was blown away by that because <laughs> this movie bombed. It didn't like oh, Queen yeah. of the Damned and Underworld may have, you know, taken some critical <laughs> wallopings. This took just pure shit. Yeah. This one got shat on and it did not make its money back. It failed. Uh, I really so liked it. I had a lot of fun with it, okay, too. Okay, good. So the reason it's called Wes Craven Presents Dracula 2000 <laughs> is because this is that post-scream kind of, like, postmodern horror with, like, a lot of, like, young stars. Omar Epps, I feel like, is the biggest star in the movie. Maybe I'm wrong. But no, um, Gerard Butler. Well, yes. he became a bigger hit after, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. This is probably, like, one of his things, like, hey, I needed money. Leave me alone. Uh, someone we talked about in the last episode, Jerry Ryan... Hmm. Um, she's Star Trek famous. Uh, she plays like a reporter in this movie, basically <laughs> playing the same role as Monica from oh, Friends. Okay, yeah. she's the report, the swamp reporter. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> got it. So, a little bit like Queen of the Damned, this movie splits its time between London and New Orleans. Yes. Um, a lot of it is set in the French Quarter, specifically at Jackson Square and Jackson Brewery, where there was a Virgin <laughs> Mega Store, which is a store I fucking never got to go to. It's hard to remember back like, that far. Though in during that time the only time like we Oh came wait, I bought porn there. Oh, wonderful. Okay. I did go there. So <laughs> the only the only thing we were like come to New Orleans for was like let's go to the aquarium, let's go see the IMAX dinosaur shit and maybe the zoo. Like we never really like did other stuff in the French Quarter, like unless like we go have dinner or something. But um, I remember passing in front of it and being like, "Oh, cool! Like there's so many CDs." I mean, I bought CDs there for, too. But like when I turned 18, I was like, "I can buy porn. Let's go to the Virgin Mega Store." Was the, when did that store cl- like? What is that store now? 
Um, I think? think it was in Urban Outfitters for a while. Okay. It might still I be couldn't that. figure out if it was Peaches or not. Oh, it might be Peaches now. Because, like, Peaches still had all those, like, sound boot thingies mm-hmm. set up where you can, like, listen to records and CDs. I was kind of thinking, I was trying to think of that. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's th- gone. <laughs> it must have been closed not long after I turned 18. Like, it must have been yeah. closed since, like, 05 ish. I don't okay. know. Uh, it's been a long time. Rest in peace. Yeah. But they fucking marketed the shit out of that Virgin Well, this is store. a feature-length advertisement for this exact Virgin <laughs> Megastore location. Yes. Working there is Mary Van Helsing. Um, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny spoiler. She is being summoned across the pond by uh, Gerard Butler, who plays Dracula himself. The one fault I have with this movie... And this is what kind of, like, kept me at a distance from it. It takes too long to get started. Christopher Plummer plays the actual Van Helsing. The actual, actual Van Helsing, as we will find out. And because this is, like, a postmodern, like, Scream-type movie, the book Bram Stoker's Dracula actually exists in this world, and, like, Van Helsing is allowed to live among us because he's like passing it off as like fiction. He's like, of course, this, you know, gossipy novel. Can we talk about how he pronounces Dracula? Go ahead. He's like, Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> Dracula. So, anyways. <laughs> he has Dracula in this like safe coffin, like a steel, no one else can open it but him coffin. Right. Or silver. Which my, is my, like my in a bank. On top of a bank. The first, like, 40 minutes of this movie (laughs) is about this group of thieves stealing this coffin from Van Helsing and then transporting it from London to New Orleans. And one of the thieves is Hyde from that 70s show. Danny Masterson, who is a a rapist. A douche, yeah. And he was, like, a horrible person in this show, and I'm like, suits you. Well, you get to watch leeches eat his face in this movie, which is pretty fun. His eyes. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) fuck him. Hell yeah. So, yeah, it takes 40 minutes for them to steal this coffin and bring it from London to New Orleans. Once that happens, or even like on the flight over, the movie starts to get fun. Right. Uh, Gerard Butler playing Dracula busts out of the coffin. Beautiful. He kills a bunch of the thieves and turns yes. them into vampires. <laughs> and then he starts to haunt and seduce Mary Van Helsing, who shares <laughs> some of his blood through convoluted bullshit we don't really need to get into. Right. Who works at the Virgin Megastore. <laughs> One of the best scenes in this movie, and this reminded me of Queen and the Damned when Lestat has his, like, press conference. Lestat walks up to Virgin, and there's this, like... He just calls him Lestat. What's his name? Sorry, Dracula. Dracula. Dracula uh, walks up to Virgin, and there's, like, a monitor outside playing new metal music videos. And he stops and, like, admires one for a few minutes, and then he goes, brilliant. <laughs> like... Dracula loves new metal. <laughs> vampires love new metal. And new metal loves vampires. And new metal makes vampires. Okay. All true. All true. Uh, he goes inside. Mary Van Helsing is not on shift. So he has sex Shucks. with her uh, roommate slash coworker. On the ceiling. That scene is when I really got won over by this. The float? Yeah. The they, floating? They're having floating vampire sex. And then the ceiling that they end up having sex on is like candy red. It's like this ridiculous like car paint red ceiling right and then later (laughs) when mary arrives home and like she can hear her roommate fucking dracula and she gets like kind of like weirdly intrigued by it and all the other vampires that he's turned start to like haunt her in her own house there's all these like flowing red drapes in their apartment hallway and it looks like suspiria almost like it's like this really deep beautiful colors giallo giallo damn it i can't (laughs) fucking pronounce that 
yeah it was just fun to watch dracula go around new orleans um it's also during mardi gras like all so new orleans this movies is are like the new orleans that i would have loved to have lived in like not that i i like living here now but like the like downtown scene yeah like there's no goth scene here anymore like there might be like one or two nights at like some random bar where they'll play like nine inch nails and then you go home like what was that club on decatur for a long time it was the ruby fruit jungle and then oh, the whirling that. dervish before it was ruby fruit jungle it was a goth club was it whirling dervish no before that it was some goth bar i, I don't remember the name of it well the last time i went there was when it was still a goth bar and okay. it was like 3164 decatur it was it was just like the name of it was the address mm-hmm. and i was so pumped because they had a dj there that night playing goth music and i like was super wasted and i walked in i was like hey can you play some sisters of mercy <laughs> <laughs> and then he played it and there was a guy in a mesh kilt with like his nuts pierced with like this huge disco ball hanging from them and he was doing splits in the air love it it was just like a wild night and i missed that so much and i got like a taste of goth new orleans like right when i moved here and then it went away yeah that was like when marilyn manson and uh trent reznor lived here right and rice was still in town it was yeah like there was this huge like fun vampire like goth culture and it just went away it's weird I think there are still people who are around doing that, but it's not, it's not it's the same. It's not as prominent as it used to be. And like this, during this time, like I could have fucked with the French Quarter at night. Yeah. I uh, can't do it now. I will say like the movie doesn't really convey that that much. A lot of the shots of New Orleans mm-hmm. is touristy Bourbon Street. But on Bourbon Street, there's a woman walking a man with a leash. Oh yeah. There's a couple there's images There's some of new that. metal. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> But a lot of it is Mardi Gras. Frap rose with daiquiris and right. giant beads and yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Everyone's got a bunch of beads. And there's a lot of quick cuts of like Bourbon Street crowds like it's interspersed funny. for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and there's no parade floats. It's just like French Quarter crowds. <laughs> Let's talk real quick before we step away from Mary's roommate. Oh, yeah. Out of all of these movies, the part that I laughed the most for was like when he enters the house and she's like, yeah, we had to redecorate because it was kind of. And then he's like catholic (laughs) (laughs) and then she's like my name's lucy like from the peanuts character just banter it's weird it's it it didn't fit with the movie and it was i don't know i thought it was very funny i think they tried to fit a lot of jokes in it in that scream fashion like it's weird uh when omar epps turns into a vampire and then someone pulls a cross on him to like scare him and he's like not scared by he's like i'm an atheist (laughs) to explain like why he's not scared of crosses it's just fun stuff like that. It's funny. It's goofy. And then, yeah. like, the three, like, vampire brides, too, are kind of goofball. It's yeah, and quirky. they try to play this, like, faux lesbian thing with them where it's they're, like... so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like Gerard Butler as this, like, romance oh, novel version of beautiful. Dracula. Yeah. He's, like, very Lestat, I would say. Like, I think a lot oh, of yeah. that influence, 100%, is from Lestat for this Dracula. Yeah, it was, I accidentally called him Lestat earlier, so that's probably part of it. Yeah. It's just like him. And I really like that the movie takes these, like, big swings in the back half. I don't know if I want to spoil this but they try to like biblically explain who dracula is which i love i loved it too i thought it was like a really cool idea it's a cheesy movie and yeah it's really not great but like the their take on the lore of dracula is so cool yeah can we spoil who he is i don't want let's just say it's biblical it's biblical and it is 
crazy and it makes so much sense yeah it like explains like his aversion to silver right his aversion to the crucifix yeah like, it really just kind of like um, and how he like why he can't die why exactly. he's immortal yeah it's great it is so cool and like the imagery like that religious like oh yeah, bc cool. imagery is so cool it's like last temptation of christ all of a sudden yes yeah. it's so cool i love that so yeah i'm glad you liked it my only bummer is just that it takes so long to get to that stuff like this movie takes about 40 minutes to an hour to really get cooking. What I couldn't shake in this movie is like, how are these two girls working at this virgin store affording this fucking apartment? Beautiful <laughs> giant apartment. These huge Jesus hallways. Christ. Yeah. And I'm just like, God, right now that'll be like 3000 a month. Like who the fuck could do that? Hey, you know what? At the time, maybe so. I don't know. Cost of living here has been crazy lately. It's insane. Maybe it was affordable. Maybe it was like 1500 and they were racking up the dough at the virgin store. Who knows? Who am I to judge? I mean, a lot of people there and, you know, big business of the time. CDs are big. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I did have fun with this movie. You just had to give it your patience. But I think that trajectory actually works well. Like some movies you're really excited by the front half and then you're like, won't this end soon? Like I'm kind of losing it. This one, it's like you kind of get an idea of what it is and Mm -hmm. you're like, this is okay, I guess. And then it gets more and more fun and then right. ends at its most ridiculous point. <laughs> so, like, it's easy <laughs> to walk around it. Beautiful. And then the credits play that Linkin Park hit. Shut Closer. up when I'm talking to you. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. I'm about to break. Yeah, so I left it with a great feeling. And, yes. Where it's like we just keep going uphill and then boom, Linkin Park. And I'm like, I'm, I got brought there. And maybe the reason I'm, like, sounding so excited about this, too, is, like, Queen of the Damned and Underworld have like a lot of fans this movie i don't feel like <laughs> no, has a lot of champions it doesn't but apparently it has sequels and i had a lot of fun with it i thought it was really I fun i would say queen of the dam my number one and then i like this one a lot more than underworld which surprised me it's more so, energetic i liked it a lot and it i love the flashback to like the new orleans that i fantasized moving to when i was younger where i'm like i can't wait to fucking move there it's gonna be so like goth i'm gonna be so cool I'm going to work at a bar and I'm going to have a cool like apartment. And then, you know, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> I had fun with these movies. I really liked the practical effects for the werewolves right. in Underworld. I thought the romance quadrangle in Queen of the Damned was a lot of fun. It was awesome. Yeah. It's like romance novel, goth so story. Hot. It's cool. It's so hot. And like homoerotic too, which live for it. Bisexual, right? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that's kind of an Anne Rice thing, right? Yes. Like a lot of her books are like that and like she's like a lot of incest in her novels too Ooh, sexy it's insane (laughs) and then dracula 2000 feels like this like lost new metal gem and it's very new metal like it has power man 5000 and disturbed and lincoln park and all these other bands no corn though uh that that is strictly queen of the damned only for queen of the damned I feel like they were, like, too expensive for people. They knew they were the <laughs> new metal gods. Like, so Dracula 2000 called Corn and Corn were like, we're too expensive you for you. You it. can't afford us. <laughs> Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> right. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what Monkey said. Do you want to watch the corniest movie ever made? Queen of the Damned is uh, always out there. Super corny. <laughs> and it's right now it's a dollar to rent on uh, Amazon, which is pretty cheap. Well, we have one more Halloween episode coming up this month. James and I are going to be watching movies from the scariest director working today, <laughs> Neil Breen. I am really excited to listen to that. I won't say they're the best movies I've seen all year. It's but not as good as New Metal Vampires. No, I enjoyed these movies more. Yes. Uh, but I was also more creeped out and more horrified okay. by what Neil Breen had to offer. So right. I guess that has a value in its own way. <laughs> so, yeah, if you like that, like Tommy Wiseau, like self-funded, <laughs> hubristic filmmaking 
we'll be talking about some Neil Breen movies closer to Halloween. Sweet. And we'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye.